Welcome to the Walking with Angels podcast. I'm your host, Amy Taylor. This is our time where we come together either just by myself or with a guest. And we get to talk about experiences that we've had where we know that earthly angels or heavenly angels have come and helped us. And we know that they're there and we know that they're a sign of our Father in Heaven's love. So I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Let's get into it. We would like to welcome uh, Gaina Lynn Condi to the podcast today as my special guest. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, Gaina Lynn? Sure. I am a mom of two adult children. I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 25-year-old son. I live in Lehigh, Utah, and I have authored, I have 13 published books at this point, but I have a couple in the works right now. I host a weekly Bible study show called Talk of Him. It's a come follow me resource and have an amazing co-host on, on that show, John Fossum. And we are starting our fourth season studying the new Testament. We're on all the podcasts and YouTube and, and it's video and audio. So, um, some people don't even know what I look like because they only know what my voice sounds like, but I do a uh, monthly, um, guest appearances on, uh, good things, Utah in Utah. I've done, done that now probably six years and often I'm on KSL and BYU radio as well as a media contributor. I had, um, uh, the experience like many of losing, um, two of my sisters, one, when I was 10 years old, she died when she was two almost. And then, uh, nearly nine years ago, it will be nine years this March. Um, my 40 year old sister died by suicide. So I work pretty heavily on putting out mental health messages, especially within faith communities. But I speak in schools. I've given about 6,000 keynotes all over the world the last eight and a half years. And I don't just talk about mental health, but I always talk about mental health. So I always squeeze it in. <laughs> and um, I, I've come to know that everyone on the planet has a mental health need of some sort. Either they struggle or they love someone or both. And a good chunk of the population on the planet right now is like our family and, and dealing with the loss that's unique to suicide. Um, I definitely feel like this audience can have a different conversation. I've given thousands of these podcast interviews and I've, I've hosted a number of podcasts before talk of him. I hosted the show, the middle and, uh, the reconnect podcast and I love that this audience wants to talk about those that have passed and the angels that are among us all the time, because I've, I've, I feel like regardless of your religious background, if you have an awareness, um, before you lose someone, it definitely is heightened after you lose someone. And I've lost a father-in-law to MS and grandparents that I loved. I held my grandma in bed when she passed and two sisters. And so I feel like this is a conversation, especially as we, as Christians get ready to welcome the savior back, that life is hard and it's going to get harder, but the miracles will be even better. And those that have passed on, on the other side of the veil will be a support in very unique ways and mm -hmm. they will be able to serve and help us 
in a different way than if they had still been alive. And I can say that my sister Meg has been my mission companion for the last nine years. She is a part of all my speaking events and media interviews. And I had an article on the Today Show go viral twice last year. And that is her story. And we trended on the day Eddie Van Halen died and the day the queen died. And I just think that's unique and interesting that she, you know, her story has saved thousands of lives because I'm, I've been able to share it. So thank you, Amy, for having me on. My sister, Amy has naturally curly hair as well. So it feels really natural to call you Amy because you look a lot like my sister, Amy. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. Um, the spirit is already here and I can feel it. Um, I think that as a host, it has sometimes been difficult to bring that um, complete awareness that we have loved ones that are with us all the time and they're, they're walking this journey with us and um, we need to be aware that they're, they're willing to be there. And sometimes we just need to tap into whether we feel like they're there or not. Um, but that's awesome that your sister has been such a part of so much life, especially the first few years after she passed. I definitely feel like she is busy doing some other work. Um, but is this audio and video or anyone, are they going to be able to see us or not? Um, I usually just, um, for this, I've just been doing audio, but okay, we can do well. For those that are listening, they may not be able to see, but if you can see, I, two weeks ago, shattered my left wrist in 52 places and had surgery a week ago. And, um, both my grandmother and my sister Meg have specifically been with me. And the first few years after Meg passed the, my very first book out of my 13, um, has her story. It's it's titled, I can do hard things with God. And, um, she definitely was a part of all of that. And even I've, I've produced or had published two, three different talks on CD. And so when I can't get to a speaking event, sometimes groups will just go by one of my talks and listen. And she's even, people have said that they have felt her at those events too, which I think is interesting that, um, sometimes people are afraid to tell you if they feel that they have that spiritual gift and they know when people that have passed are nearby, but it doesn't, it's normal for me to talk about it. And so I love that this podcast is dedicated to having those conversations because when we normalize the language around grief and mental health, we probably need to make sure we're normalizing the language around, um, the other side of the veil and angels and how real they are. Um, and, and I think they, our loved ones are, are busy continuing to progress mm-hmm. and learn and have assignments. And so I know that some of my family members have not felt Meg as, as close. And, and that's not, I, I hope someone in your audience that is listening, that hasn't maybe felt their loved one, there's not something wrong with you. I no. feel like there's specific assignments just like here. And, yeah. um, you know, my father-in-law passed of MS nearly 18 years ago. And my mother-in-law hasn't felt him as often. And, but knowing his personality, it kind of doesn't surprise me that maybe it's harder to discern when he's there. (laughs) 
just because of what he was like on earth. He, mm-hmm. you know, he was very quiet and more reserved and not super communicative. My sister Meg is a lot like me and she is very communicative. And so she makes sure that she talks with me and I feel her and I feel her at unique times. Like, I don't know where this conversation will go, but the day we found her, my brother found her, it was my mom's birthday, March 11th, which is a horrific day to find your sister dead by suicide. She had been passed for a few days, but that day specifically, because it was my mom's birthday, we both had gone. My mom was out visiting from California and we had gone to get massages for her birthday. And later that day, my brother went over to check the house because no one had heard from Meg. And that's when he found her and it was horrific. But I can tell you, I, because of lupus, I have lupus, I get regular massages and she's often in massages with me because my, my body's relaxed and my spirit is more having a conversation and she knows that she can meet me there, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So it's not always just like in our churches or at cemeteries or in the temple. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes there's two specific songs when they play on the radio. I know she's in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, if your listeners are going through grief at the new first stage, that first year where everything feels really raw, um, it's really hard. Uh, sometimes that uncontrollable feeling of just crying that would just come at the weirdest times. (laughs) I've learned to like lean into those moments that that's when she's trying to hug me. That's my interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. Because at first Mm -hmm. they, it would happen and it would be like, why am I just bursting into tears at Walmart right now? Like I need to hold it together. And I've learned that that's when she was like trying with all of her heart to like hug me and be near me and comfort me and love me. And so I've learned to breathe through those moments where the emotions are so intense and and trust that that's because they're close by and not to be afraid of those feelings. And then one other analogy is just like, regardless of your religious background, um, this injury with my hand, the first few days before I had surgery, um, I couldn't move my fingers. And my hand was literally like, not on my wrist joint anymore. And, and, and when I had surgery, they did a nerve block to try to minimize how much medicine they had to use to keep me under, um, because the damage was so severe, but for 24 hours after surgery, I had a nerve block from my neck arm down and I've had, I had really high anxiety because it was the weirdest feeling to like have an arm that literally felt dead. Like I couldn't control it. My husband had to dress me and, and it gave me a, a new appreciation of that disconnect between the spirit and the body mm. and what a gift it is to have our bodies and how much our loved ones that have passed feel like I felt that 24 hours after. And even this last two weeks of trying to gain movement, I, I really have limited movement. I have a year ahead of physical therapy where I'm going to have to teach my wrist and my hand to move again. Mm-hmm. And and I just think they they are near and they're with us. And we don't know a lot about what their world experience is like, but I can tell you that I've had an awareness just the last two weeks with this stewardship of this shattered wrist of that dance between your spirit and your body and their spirits are very much alive, Mm -hmm. but it's been so frustrating to me to not be able to make my hand 
move and my mm-hmm. arm move when I, I know what my brain is trying to do. And so I have a, I think a new sensitivity to what Meg, my sister, Bonnie, my grandparents, my father-in-law, you know, the, all yeah. the people I've Un- lost. Unembodied spirits. Yeah. Unembodied spirits are feeling as they're trying to communicate with us and be a part of our, our experience. Yeah. So, um, with lupus, you have, um, times when you have limited mobility or it's just really painful to move. And I had about of, it was like arthritic symptoms this last year. And it was so frustrating. It was so yeah. frustrating not being able to just do simple things like, yes. um, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for my kid. It was like, it was really hard. And it was so, it was very emotional just to not have my body work like I wanted it to work. And so, yeah, it brings it all to the front where you're like, of course there's, there's some, you know, we have to think about their life and their existence on a different plane and that we, we have to become more spiritual to be able to meet that spirit where they can't become more physical. Right. That's not going to happen. Right. We have to kind of move ourselves into a more spiritual place or even just a quiet place. Like when you're getting massages or just taking the time to turn off the TV and the podcasts and everything, and just have like quiet time to, to let them be able to speak to us if they want to, you know, and it's not up to us. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting. There was, there was a talk that, um, Oh, now I can't remember who gave it. Probably Elder Holland. It might've been, it might've been Elder Holland, but I think it was an older talk. Okay. And they said, he's talked a lot about angels. So I found his new book on the new Testament. I just got it. I was just given it. Oh yeah. I'm going to do a whole podcast. It's like, and Elder Holland is with us today. In yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and in this talk, they said, um, we cannot control, they were talking about spiritualism and the way that I think like Satan uses spiritualism. And they said to think that we can call on a spirit and they have to come to us is completely against God's plan. And so, and I think that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about the other side of the veil because they're not sure where the lines are. Yeah. But if you think about, they still have free agency and they still have a stewardship and, and they have a purpose that God has for them. And we're, we still have to ask just like, as if we were texting or calling someone and like, if we want them to come closer to us, sometimes we have to say, okay, I, I would really like to have some answers here, or just to know that you're there and that you love me. And like to be invitive, but not forceful because that's not the way God's plan is. Yeah. And Amy, I'm feeling prompted to share this thought right now because of my journey with my stewardship of losing someone I love to suicide. Um, Oftentimes I get messages from people that are in the post grief, um, post suicide grief journey Mm -hmm. and grief in general, where they just want to be with their loved ones. And so there's, it hurts so bad. And so the hurt, whether it's from a a lifetime or about of mental health struggle, or it's grief there, there is sometimes this thought of, um, I just want to be with God and I, and I want to be with my loved one. And I'm going to just share with you what Meg would say if, if you could hear her on this podcast right now and what I've come to know is that 
everything she struggled with in life, she got tired and suicide is a very complicated um, issue. And so I don't ever speak about it as if it's not complicated. So I'm not trying to oversimplify, Mm -hmm. but some of the things that I try to repeat a lot when I'm speaking or being interviewed and in my writing is that, um, that learning is still happening. And so whatever we struggle with, we really do take that with us. And this body is a gift that the adversary doesn't literally have. He doesn't have family. He doesn't have faith and he doesn't have a body. And so he attacks our family, our faith and our bodies over and over and over again. And I know for Meg, she got tired. She believed the lie that we would be better without her. And the moment she passed, I know she knew that she had made a mistake. For me, suicide is one decision someone makes. So for your audience, for those that have lost someone to suicide, it's one decision. It doesn't describe all of Megan's gifts and talents and abilities, but she is learning. She is still in the process of learning. And if she was on this podcast in the way physically that you could hear her, because she's with me right now, I can feel her right now. um, She would tell you, stay in your body. So I tell people that every time I get a chance, because this pain and this wrestle, it's exhausting in mortality. It is not going to go away when the physical body is gone. And if anything, she is now ministering to those that she left behind that have grieved and continue to grieve to this day. And so when I hear from people that say I post something on Instagram or they found one of my talks um, or speaking events on YouTube or whatever, and they are contemplating suicide because they're tired, I, I don't want to minimize that. Or they're grieving and they want to be with their loved one. I'm just going to tell you, stay in your body. That's what Meg would say to you, um, because that learning doesn't stop. And, and friends of mine that are therapists that deal with clients that are very highly suicidal or wrestling with suicidal ideation, they will sometimes get really bold and say, okay, you know, when, when, when people feel like they've tried everything and it's never getting better, they will often say, okay, but tomorrow when you wake up, wherever that is, I, you're not going to be able to call and schedule therapy. Right. And I'm not saying that Meg isn't also feeling a release from some pain. I know that she is, but I also know that you trade the release of pain and I'm speaking really boldly. So I hope your audience is ready for this because certain audiences, I can't say this to like, I'm speaking in a high school. I can't talk about it this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm doing a corporate speaking event, I can't talk about it in this way. But to your audience, I can say very boldly that that she, yes, she has found some peace. I'm not trying to say that she hasn't. She was, she, she is not damned. I don't believe in that old tradition. Um, That's not doctrine. And so I don't believe that she doesn't have a measure of peace, Mm -hmm. but I also know that she continues to have to learn and wrestle with what she learned was wrestling with in life. Mm -hmm. And that part of her stewardships now are specific assignments that are helping her progress. Mm -hmm. And that if she can boldly, she wants our family to move forward and to find joy again and to be happy. She's so happy my books got published. She's so proud of her niece and nephew serving mission. She is so excited when I get awards for my books, right? Mm -hmm. 
but, but she is still wrestling. And so please Mm -hmm. know that, like, for those of you that are listening, that think somehow the pain will stop. I don't understand everything on the other side, but I'm going to tell you, your learning doesn't stop. So try another therapist, try another medicine, try another diet, try another plan B, whatever your issue of blood is, please stay in your body. Mm -hmm. Stay in your body. Um, So after I read your book, I told my husband that I said, I was telling him about the experience. And um, I said, one of the things she said was stay in your body. And he kind of took a back, like he was like, whoa, because when you, not everybody has had suicidal thoughts, but people who have, they understand the significance of that statement. Yeah. Because whatever, for whatever reason that you want to leave your body, yes, you, you have to be convinced to stay there. Yes. And And I think that that's very important because so many things don't speak to that. They don't speak to, um, it's not going to be any better on the other side. You know, in, in a lot of ways it won't be. And, um, the staying in your body, if that's what God wants you to do, then you need to stay there. Yeah. And I'm not going to minimize. I've had 30 plus years of daily arthritis pain. And the last two weeks I've had pain beyond any pain I can ever describe to you. And I had a dear friend come who has very specific spiritual gifts and she brought me French fries and she prayed with me. And in the praying together, she said something that was a revelation for both of us. And it was this, that through this experience, this stewardship of my shattered wrist and the pain that I was experiencing I could ponder on how the savior also felt disconnected from his body in his pain. Now think about that, Amy, he had the power to leave his body and he chose to stay in his body. So I'm not trying to oversimplify when I say that to people that have spent a lifetime wrestling with depression and anxiety or pain physically, Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to it from a place that I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand how tired Meg got. I understand that she felt like she could not try one more plan B. What I'm saying to you is the savior gets you. He knows exactly what pain you're dealing with. And he too, in the garden and on the cross could have chosen out at any moment of that pain out of his body. So think about that for a moment as we wrestle with addiction, depression, anxiety, arthritis, shattered body parts like I'm dealing with now. Mm-hmm. I have pled with God to help me draw closer to the savior through this stewardship experience. Yeah. And that's for me what every stewardship is. And for your audience mm-hmm. that doesn't know what stewardship is, last May my book The Stewardship Principle was released. Um it's under $7. It's a 68-page so read and it will change. It's not cuz I wrote it. I'm not making millions off of it like it will change how you see everything in your life. And that includes losing people we love. It includes mental health. It includes chronic illness. It includes addiction. It includes divorce. It includes everything. And it includes the good stuff, like the awesome stuff, the happy stuff. Like my daughter's about to start serving a mission in May. That's a happy stewardship, right? It is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and having children after years of being told we'd never have kids, it's a happy stewardship. But when we see everything as a stewardship, whether it's a shattered wrist or a struggle with addiction or grief, God can meet you in that space. Mm-hmm. 
And he has literally experienced everything that you will experience. So in the last two weeks, I've just had a new growth in love for the savior because I've pondered in the middle of the night when my pain is the worst. And I'm trying not to wake up my husband because he's finally fallen asleep (laughs) and I'm laying there and I can't distract myself with music or getting, you know, taking the dog out. And I've pled with God to meet me in that space Mm-hmm. because he understands what it le- it feels like. And he chose not to leave his body and he had the power to do that. Yeah. It's powerful to me to think on that. Oh, it's so powerful. When I read your book, it did a couple of things for me. One, it helped me realize what my stewardships were to really think about it and draw a line. Um, and to say, you know, this is my stewardship or this is not. And the second thing it did was that when things are not my stewardship, that means I don't have to hold it anymore. Isn't that awesome? It's like, I tell people, once you learn this principle and I've been practicing for over a decade, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It makes the good stuff better and the hard stuff easier. It just does because does. you realize yeah. what's not yours to be holding. Yep. And you can say, I've gone through this. It's been painful. It's been hard. Yeah. If it's time for it to go, take it. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus will take it. He will. His atonement is that is why he did it was so that yeah. he could take away your pain. And you know, what's amazing is that the savior is the ultimate example of the great steward. Like yeah. as much as he took upon himself, our burdens, that was his stewardship assignment. Mm-hmm. And when we're called to mourn with those that mourn, that's our stewardship, but it's not our job to fix, save. I mean, the biggest lesson of losing Meg is that I could not and should not ever have been the savior. I was her big sister. And so I had been the one to help her through really hard times. And we called them, I used to call them the pit. She'd fall in the pit. And so it whacks with your brain when you lose someone to suicide, because you, you know, not that all grief isn't hard. It is, Mm -hmm. but suicide grief is a very, very unique kind of grief. And it creates, you think that you could have. Yes. Yes. It creates a, what if in your brain Mm -hmm. for everyone that's left behind, like, you know, I remember the prompting two weeks before she died to send her a card and I sent it. I stopped doing my hair. I ran downstairs. I wrote the card out. I didn't know when she died until we went through her stuff, if she had even opened her mail anymore because she'd sunk into this really bad pit. Right. And I remember exactly what I was told to write in that card. It didn't save her. Right. Mm -hmm. So stewardship has saved me from the nightmares, literal nightmares of losing Meg. And it saved me. I'm in a whole new stage of life as a parent, which is not what we're talking about here, but in many ways, having adult children, I have really held on to the principle of angels because oftentimes out of privacy or they're adults now, or, you know, I can't go be with, you know, Mm -hmm. my son lived for a year in Hawaii. He lived on a leprosy colony for three months and took care of lepers. It was during COVID like and you just pray that someone's there helping. Them yeah. And sometimes I them. just pray like it's grandpa who's passed that I know understands his personality and loves him. Right. My great, my grandfather, his great grandfather, um, you know, specific assignments and, and ministering that can happen with no other 
understanding than just that will save you as a parent from going into ownership, which is what I talk about in the book is the mm-hmm. opposite of stewarding. Yeah. I, I think angels allow us to stay in stewardship because I, as a mother have prayed very specific angels to go and be with my kids. When I know I literally can't be with them because I'm not in that season of life where they don't live at my house. They don't sleep in their rooms. I don't get to control who their friends are. I don't know who all their teachers are. Like we're in a different season of life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. This, this has been such a good conversation. Um, oh, is there anything you feel like? Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to listen to the spirit. And I would just say, I just want to revisit just that idea for those that are like, I don't have that spiritual gift. I don't see the angels. I don't hear them. I would say, be aware of more what feels like you just have a memory or a thought start giving credit to that being the veil thin. I I think sometimes it, this is the same with personal revelation. When I talk to teenagers, especially where they are like, I don't know, is it me or is it God? I always say, give God the credit. If it's good, give God the credit. Mm -hmm. So if you have a memory of your loved one or a song comes on or something happens that it feels like they're, that's something they're spirit, spiritually really good at, or that was their gift when they were on earth, then start having that conversation in your mind and give credit that that is connection with your loved one. That is heaven being near. Yeah. And sometimes, do, you think, do you think you you can choose that sometimes by playing a certain song or reading um like a letter from them or something? Do you feel like, well, I mean, I think, I think one, once again, let's look at what we do know. We know what our relationships and communication are like on earth with our loved ones. Now we know what it's like when we have friends that are really good at reaching out and ones that aren't, we know what it's like to have friends that are super validating and know how to phrase things perfectly. And the other friends that struggle or spouses or whatever. It's not going to change just because someone passes. And so sometimes I think we think that, yes, there is a different awareness that our loved ones have. I think they do see things in different ways because they have a different vantage point. Just like when all of a sudden you look under your couch and you're like, wait, I didn't know there was all the crayons under here and the dirt under here. I thought everything was clean. I was vacuuming all around it. Do our loved ones have a different perspective? Yes, they do. They do. But we're learning to communicate with them. We're learning to communicate with our heavenly father. We're learning to communicate with our earthly relationships all the time. And so if you would treat it like a relationship, then I think the idea of reading a letter, the idea of a song coming on the radio, the idea of a memory coming, the idea of we spontaneously start crying. Can we just know that that's the same thing that happens between my husband and I now he's at work. And sometimes he comes into my mind and I feel like I should say a prayer for him or I send him a message and he's delayed responding because he's in a meeting for six hours and he doesn't answer it. It doesn't mean he doesn't get the message or that I'm not thinking of him at the right time. It means that the same dynamics, I don't know what all the dynamics are on the other side of the veil. I just know that heaven is close, that the veil is thin, that we have a certain doctrine that allows us to understand more, but we don't know everything. Sometimes right. I think we get trapped that we know a lot, but we don't know a lot. Right. And so right. what we do know 
is that angels are real. And what we do know is that, of course, our loved ones are going to be near for special occasions or hard times, because that's what we're trying to, we have a God that wants family relationships and he wants relationships in general. And we're really all family. So, you know, I have a neighbor whose daughter just died a few months ago in a horrific way. And her favorite color was orange and she loved sunsets and sunrises. So every day on social media, a friend or a family member will snap a picture and tag my neighbor because in their mind, that's Riley Mm -hmm. shouting out. And I, you know, shout out to, to those that are grieving in that first year, especially where everything feels like you've just have an open wound. Mm -hmm. And and I think the last thought I want to share before we say goodbye is that grief specifically the new normal is, I don't know what that is. What Mm -hmm. I know is that the grief of losing people I've loved has integrated like Play-Doh. When you take one color and you put it in the Play-Doh and you mush it together, it's still Play-Doh, but it kind of changes colors. For me, that's what grief is. I take the loss and I have moments I'm happy. And now nearly nine years later, I still have moments where I can't breathe because I'm so sad that something beautiful is happening and I can't call Meg, mm-hmm. you know? And there's moments that I think you grieve new 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And certain things happen. Yeah. That you're like, it's the happy things from 10 years from now that I want to call and share it with her. And so I think I love that your podcast is dedicated to putting language around normalizing how, how close our loved ones are, how interested and invested they are in our progress, but we should be just as interested in their progress. Mm -hmm. And so when we heal, when we move forward and find joy again, when we learn spiritual gifts and things about ourselves because of their passing, then they want that for us too. Mm -hmm. Um, they want us to not stay stuck just like we should want them not to stay stuck yeah and there's actually times when we pray for our um fathers who have passed on um in their new stewardship yep yeah and i just love that my kids my daughter who's going to leave on a mission has an army of angels to be with her because it's the hardest thing in my life. She's one of my bestest friends to let her go for 18 months. Um, my son was born in San Diego. And so she's going to serve six months in the Mormon battalion visitor center. And I worked in the San Diego temple and she'll work as a missionary there. And then she'll serve a year in Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's where my great grandmother, Gainal, who I was named after served like nearly 40 years ago. And so I just feel like, of course, granny gets to go be a companion and help her. She'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for letting me talk about people I love. And um, thank you for letting me put words on grief that I can't always speak openly about at certain places and audiences. And um, I feel like prayers were answered today. So thanks for having a platform for that. Thank you for coming. Um, so I do have a grief and healing course that I've made that specifically walks people through grief. And I love that. And it is because sometimes we don't have that friend that's yes. there that says that's normal. Yes. It's okay. It's okay yes. to not want to go to lunch. It's yes. okay. Yes. Or, or it's okay not to get rid of all of their clothing, you know? Yes. And so 
I've, I've made a course that helps people with that. Which is um, exactly why I write books because yeah. books become private, personal friends when you don't know who to talk to. And so, yeah, I love That's that. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, and thank you for all of our listeners that have listened today. I hope that you've just had a wonderful time listening to Dana Lynn and her experiences and how, oh, just the the spirit just flows from her and her belief of angels. I love it. Uh, it's like mine, like it's mirrored. Like sometimes Yay. I don't feel like the mirror is quite yes. clear. Yes. When you have the same language, yeah. it's like, oh, there's my people. I see them. So yeah. Today it's felt like a mirror. So yes. I so appreciate you coming today. For me too. For me too. So, Thank you, Amy. All right. Well, go on everyone. And remember that you're walking with angels. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you for coming and listening today. Thank you for um, supporting me in the podcast. And um, I just wanted to remind everyone that I have the grief and healing course um, that people can sign up for. And um, I'll have the link in uh, posts and in the bio on my Instagram and in lots of places. I'll see you later. Bye.